uh, with Jennifer Stone, cover to cover. Stay with us. It's 3 p.m. Happy ending, nice and tidy. It's a rule I learned in school. Get your money every Friday. This is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw. Today is July the 7th, 2009. <laughs> Bob McNamara has gone to his reward. <laughs> oh, ding dong, the witch is dead. No, 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 that's not appropriate. I'm sure that we will hear eulogies for the next few days, and they will all say the same thing. Of course, politicians, you know, have to think well of themselves. They can they can spin their stories any way they like. Anyway, I had a few things to say about Bob McNamara. I'll save them for Thursday morning at 8.20. Check out the movie The Fog of War by Errol Morris. I think that is the best, uh, the best synthesis of McNamara's role. In our great historical crime in Vietnam, McNamara was Secretary of Defense in the 60s, as everyone knows. Uh, his book is a mea culpa, and so forth and so on. Uh, <laughs> always, always too late. Yes, if only people could, what is it, we used to say in school, yes, how do you live the, the good life? You don't do the first wrong thing. See, once you get in the system, of course, you're trapped. Never mind, never mind. What I wanted to do today, first of all, I wanted to respond to a listener who had called me a listener who was concerned because I used the term, the word narcissism, when describing the late, great Michael Jackson. And, of course, that's a metaphor only. Uh, you know, it's that Garbo thing, the Greta Garbo thing about people who are so much themselves. I think what I said was that, uh, like the myth of Narcissus, uh, I saw Michael Jackson as someone who was in love with his own reflective soul. It's not a negative. It's not pejorative. Uh something wrong exactly it's just that such people such souls or in his case geniuses are in search of themselves they're in search of their own deepest desires and feelings uh most people never look that deeply uh inside within you know it's the poet's journey the artist's journey you have to follow the labyrinth down 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 to the underworld into one's own unconscious uh 
For some people, it is a journey so far or so dark they never, never come back. They drown like Narcissus. They fall into the water, the lake, the sea, whatever metaphor you like. Drowning in oceanic depths. Uh, sometimes, yes, it's too much for the uh, hypersensitive people. I guess some learn to swim. Some folks do learn to swim. Some wash up on shore, come back and tell their tale. It's a revelation, you know. It's uh, a vision. It's their job. It's You remember the prophets who come out of the desert bringing back a truth to the tribe, uh, coming back to the everyday world and giving us their gifts. It's the role of the artist, man. It's what existence is all about. Oh, realities for amateurs, you know. The truth is one tough trip. <laughs> McNamara found that out. Oh, Lord, the masks, the masks we wear. Uh, in any case, today I want to talk about an artist, a friend of mine, who has died. We're going to celebrate her life this Saturday. Her name is Claire Birch. She died in May. And I've known Claire, let's see, I met her, I, well, I got to know her in the 80s, middle 80s. I've known her for a quarter of a century. She and her partner, her good husband, Mark, uh, actually, I don't know if they're married. Isn't that funny? I never thought to ask. I've known the two of them for a quarter of a century. Uh, Claire uh, was a widow. Her first husband, the father of her children, uh, uh, died tragically. But uh, Mark is putting together... Uh, a celebration, we're going to do it over at Cedar and Bonita at the Unitarian Fellowship. Everyone knows where that is, in Berkeley, Cedar and Bonita. Uh, it's Saturday, July the 11th. I'll try to remember to say that again at the end of my half hour here. Saturday, July the 11th from 2 to 5. Pizza and wine. Come one, come all. This is a freebie. We want people to come and listen to Claire's music. Uh, Claire wrote songs. Claire did everything. I have her collages all over my house. Uh, I have her poetry, her videos. I'm sure Mark's going to show a lot of the videos. Uh, I was going to say, once in a while, people call and ask about gifts and flowers. Uh, Claire... Uh, let's see, Claire's group, Art and Education Media, Inc. That's what we we make out, uh, gifts in lieu of flowers. Art and Education Media, Inc. 2747 Regent Street, Berkeley, 94705. Telephone number, uh, let's see, 849-0153. Art and Education Media will be putting together all of her archives. Uh, there's so much stuff. Last night I was going through all of her work and I got to thinking, uh, <laughs> yes, she's, what is it? Uh, she's an earth mother, the hippie mother of the world. If anybody personifies the counterculture, 
It's Claire Birch. Uh, once upon a time, someone was talking about writing. I think it, oh, it was Hemingway, I think. And he, uh, he was talking about the, the general dilettantish, uh, effect to most writers, you know, and he said, you don't write because you want to say something. You write because you have something to say. Claire Birch had a tremendous amount to say. She uh, spent the last couple decades filming the homeless, so many videotapes here, uh, the street artists, uh, everything she did had, uh, what do you call that, uh, <laughs> a message, God forbid, God forbid we should have a message anyway. Uh, I'm looking here. The last book she sent me, the last, very last book, is Charles Darwin in Cyberspace. And it's a, a just a, a cockeyed fantasy. That's when she went off. She went off the, <laughs> off the railing here. Nothing serious, nothing here. Let's see. Uh, I think I have to read you a little bit of this just to to prove that Claire was more fun than a barrel of monkeys. And definitely, definitely uh, not the kind of progressive who gives you uh, a headache. Here, yes, in the middle of Charles Darwin in cyberspace. I'm just opening it up here. And Emma, Charles's wife, is writing to him. And she says, Dear Charles... Fever sore and weighty days ago, our fall flowers brought forth upon this concubine a new station, retrieved in cavities and suffocated to the proper positions at all theorems, are a priori true. Now we are in- engaged in a great castle keep, testing whether this patient or any patient so received and so segregated can long underwear. We are set on the great bottle babies of this war. Before and seven years ago, our poor feathers brought forth upon this concentrate a new ration conceived in poverty and predicated on the excavation that all dogs run free. Now we are engaged in a great resale store, testing whether any ration so bereaved and so predicated can long survive. Anyway, she goes on. She goes on at great rate. Yes, survival of the fittest, whitest, Charles, if we'd been of the same species, what would we have been anyway? Um, that we here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain, that this citation under mild wood shall have a new dream verbatim, and that covenant of the scruple with the scruple and for the scruple shall not ravish giving birth. <laughs> anyway, Claire was, I think, uh, she was older than I was. Uh, her work is, oh, it's just... It's mountains of stuff. I can't read you all these titles, all these books. Uh, I was just thinking here, there was a book that I came across on my Claire Burt shelf about uh, the death of a young girl. And I thought of Claire's own daughter. She had an adopted child who was lost to um, drug abuse and died some years ago. Uh, and... Uh, Claire, I think, perhaps from that experience or perhaps just because she was Claire Birch, uh, was mother to the world. Um, here 
is a, a writer, uh, Elliot Baker, on the back of a book about uh, what really killed Rosebud, a book about a girl who was uh, killed in 1992, uh, People's Park activists, and he, Elliot Baker writes of Claire Birch, I recall starvation days in New York City when Claire and James Baldwin and I struggled with early efforts. And I remember Jimmy and I agreeing that of the three of us, Claire had the only claim to genius. I have been aware during the intervening years of her extraordinary work, both in prose and in the visual arts, dealing with the plight of the homeless, the dispossessed, and the unfortunate. She has always had a unique sympathy for them, never allowing this to be sidetracked by the tragedies in her own life. If anything, these have given her deeper insights and understanding, which, coupled with her artistic gifts, have led to a body of rare accomplishments. I consider it somewhat of a national disgrace that her work has not received the attention and acclaim it deserves. Uh, that's Elliot Baker, author of A Fine Madness. Uh, no, I think it's interesting that uh, Claire's work, well, you know, <laughs> we needed a, she needed a publicist. That's what we all need. Packaging, packaging is everything. Claire just went on to the next project. She never stopped to promote herself. Uh, the list of her videos is incredible. Uh, I like her James Baldwin anthology so much. That's a video. Uh, uh, the videos here, the ideas of James Baldwin. His, yes, historic and incendiary speeches made by Baldwin. All of this stuff can be found in Claire's archives once again. Uh, get in touch with Regent Press if you want a uh, list, uh, what is it, a catalog to all of her work. Uh, goes back years and years. Uh, I was thinking there are several commentaries here from the reviewers explaining that Claire Birch has moved from prose into the video, into film. We all know why people do that these days. <laughs> You've got to get it on film. <laughs> Her books, let's see, include Careers in Psychiatry. Then there's a book called Stranger in the Family about living with a child. That was her daughter who is uh, mentally uh, disturbed. Homeless in the 80s, uh, wonderful stuff. I remember there was a video that I used down at uh, a little storefront art store. We had so much fun with it. Uh, it was about it was about Berkeley's uh, nudies. You remember the folks that went around. Uh, oh, we had a calendar of the... Uh, the Nude Crowd, uh, a short history of nudity, Claire Birch video, celebrates the year of the naked people of Berkeley. They walked about like Adams and Eves in the Garden of Eden. They explained their cheerful decision to bear all was protected by the First Amendment. <laughs> yes, I'm looking at these terrific pictures, hate man and the rest of the crowd. Uh,
it was a whole counterculture. It's still, still down there. Yes, yeah, still there. I don't know. Um, here in 2009, it's so much nostalgia. Uh, I don't know. I think it's more than nostalgia. I think it was a great part of my life. Uh, let's see. Timothy Leary, Dreaming. That's another video. Ghost of the San Francisco Oracle. You remember that? Splendid newspaper. Uh, surreal. Street Survivors videos. Uh, the owls have their habitat in America. Frogs and butterflies are similarly protected by law. But on the streets of Berkeley, California, as in other cities today, people who are on the fringe wander about often without any place to go. Claire's camera catches a few of these street survivors at dramatic, sometimes funny, sometimes frightening moments. These stories pull no punches. There are amazing scenes showing us how in 20th century America, human beings are now our most endangered species. There are some incredibly far out uh, videos and tapes about uh, things going on in the world. I wish <laughs> there's a, a dozen uh, idiosyncratic uh, wild uh, uh, videos about people who have done things that box the compass, eruptions of funk everywhere. Yes, <laughs> there's a uh, elegy here for a street survivor. This is a video for Yumi, a 60s hippie who died of respiratory distress. All his friends, most of them also homeless, gathered at Sproul Plaza to perform an unorthodox memorial service. Uh, this video is alternately sad and funny. His best friend distributes his last cigarettes, his bottle of sake. Burns a dollar to release his spirit. An attempt to raise money to redeem his ashes from the city fails, as everyone is broke. I was thinking, I saw a film last night, uh, uh, yes, a, a Spanish film. Someone tosses a drink into uh, an urn full of ashes, saying one for the road. I like these gestures ever since six feet under. Anything having to do with um, last rites, I find delightfully funny. What was it? Philip Muldry the other day told me that there's something now, uh, a little tea bag sized package of uh, ashes. It's called, um, uh, let's see, cream, cremation, cre cremations, yes. You get a little piece of your uh, friend. <laughs> In a tea bag. Cremains, cremains, that's what it is. You get cremains instead of remains. Anyway, at the bottom of my pile of videos, um, so many, especially there's some for children, and the street musicians, there's the history of American funeral. Yes, funeral directories, street musicians, live. Uh, uh, the atrocities of the drug war, of course, that's a real horror story uh i think i'm down to the one about this girl rosebud uh it's the story 
of a girl forgotten, I suppose now, although some people still remember Rosebud Abigail de Novo. Uh, she was killed by the police in uh, 1992. She was a girl of 19. She was uh, homeless, five feet tall. She weighed 97 pounds. August 25th, 1992, a later autopsy report revealed that there were many discrepancies in the stories given to the media. Shot in the back uh, at one point, yes. Um, uh, the video and Claire's book interviews the survivors and the people who knew Rosebud, her boyfriend and the folks from People's Park. Uh, many disturbing questions, of course. Uh, Claire always includes songs and music in these memorials. Uh, they're not just sad stories. They're always celebrations. That's what we're going to have on Saturday, yes. A celebration of the life of this wonderful woman. Uh, <laughs> years and years of, I think, I, I guess I would call it, I'd, if I say mothering, I get the darndest reaction Um I mean it in the largest sense. Uh, somebody once called Golda Meir one of the great mothers. and I said she was also a great man uh, in the 20th century. Uh, let's see. Looking at the Rosebud book, uh, there's this wonderful... Oh, it's what is it? It's just a portrait of this incredible kid who was obviously mentally ill and who was not taken care of. Uh, I don't know why she wasn't taken care of. Her father uh, is or was at the time she died the dean of the economics department at Moorhead State University in Kentucky. <laughs> he, he said once that he couldn't understand why his daughter harbored such strong anti-authority feelings. The parents had committed their daughter to a mental hospital uh, several times. Oh, dear, her father says, uh, she brought happiness to our home. She was someone who loved us anyway. Uh, hmm. Just a month before the Berkeley radical Rosebud de Novo was killed while brandishing a machete, in the UC Berkeley Chancellor's home, she told her father she might enroll at UC Berkeley, right? Her parents came at that time, let's see, just a month before her death. And uh, the father said, we felt things were finally going in the right direction. Okay. This girl had a, a history from the age of five, obviously. She needed help. Uh, the story goes that the house was empty, but she had broken into the home of the chancellor, and she had a large machete knife. Uh, so the policeman decided that um, rather than surround the house, etc., they decided, the policeman anyway decided that his life was in danger. And uh, he killed her. The San Francisco Chronicle said... Um, Let's see. Contrasting views of UC intruder. Some called her a brilliant revolutionary. Others called her crazy. I called her one more lost child. Uh, in Claire's book, What Really Killed Rosebud, uh, 
she she has all these wonderful pictures of Rosebud as a child and as a young woman and uh, uh then she has all the the police reports and then she interviews all Rosebud's friends in the chronicle it says depending on who you talk to the 19 year old woman fatally shot after breaking into the UC Berkeley Chancellor's home with a machete yes was either uh, a revolutionary hero or a crazy person uh, she was born Laura Miller. She believed passionately in her cause. Well, rebel without a cause, yes. Anyway, um, the question is always why. Uh, now, several of her friends said she was not crazy, sometimes foolish and impulsive. This is a member of the People's Park Defense Union candidate for the Berkeley City Council, Gina Sasso. Uh, she was very committed. That's what Gina says about Rosebud. She was very smart. It's a horrible waste. Okay. Now, this 19-year-old was uh, staring at a two-year sentence. Uh, Alameda County Probation Report. Uh, she was arrested for possessing illegal explosives at a Berkeley Hillside campsite, and she was thinking that she might have to go to jail for two years. So she was uh, terrified. Uh, she had a history of causing trouble, which began at the age of five in Lexington, Kentucky. By the age of 12, she was described as angry and rebellious, running away, and so forth. Uh, she once threatened to kill her middle school principal. <laughs> yes. Anyway, this... This report goes on to talk about this brilliant girl who was obviously quite mad. Uh, her boyfriend didn't seem to be able to help her. Uh, oh, there are entries from her diary and her struggles with authority and on and on and on. Uh, I was just thinking of the recent, yeah, the recent death at Bart where you know, obviously there was nothing, nothing there to provide an excuse. Uh, hmm. Oh, in the commentary here in uh, Claire Birch's book, she writes that Rosebud had not believed in God. She was just a tiny, smiling anarchist with a sense of humor. She had an Emma Goldman goal. Uh, <laughs> Yes. Tis a gift to be an anarchist. Tis a gift to be free. Tis a gift to come down to where you ought to be. I pledge revulsion to the scab on the united fates of America and to the asshole on which it lands one vacation under sod with racism and injustice before the fall. Anyway, this girl, this girl was obviously lovable, but uh, possibly dangerous. Who knows? Uh, a woman called Eliza remembers, she says, I'm Rosebud's friend. We were both anarchists. And she goes on to talk about uh, a bloody encounter with police. Uh, this young woman, Rosebud, had seen some pretty terrible things. Uh, I don't know why she didn't get the help she needed. Uh, in any case, uh, 
Claire felt it was her task to document all these, uh, do I call them problems? I, I love the word challenge, yes. <laughs> this book ends with a chronology of People's Park. I was going to read you the history of People's Park, which is a... <laughs> Which is the background for Rosebud and for um, Claire Birch. I hope to see some of you on Saturday, July the 11th, when we celebrate the life of Berkeley writer, artist, and poet Claire Birch over at the Cedar and Bonita Fellowship from 2 to 5, Saturday, July the 11th, 2 to 5, pizza and... uh, I think pizza and wine, folks. Till then, go easy. And if you can't go easy, go as easy as you can. Come to Ashkenaz July 8th to find out what the KPFA Station Board elections are all about. Election support staff will be there to help you participate as a candidate or voter in these elections. Only 17% of the world's population lives in the country with freedom of press. So please, exercise your right to have your ideas heard by making an effort to participate in these elections. Nominations for KPFA Station Board are open until July 15th. And if you don't want to run, your participation as a voter is just as important. Come help candidates meet their requirements by signing their nomination petition. Only 15 signatures by listeners who are KPFA members are required. Listener members can sign as many petitions as one. Even if you're not a member of KPFA, you still have time to participate by becoming a member before July 15th. Come to the Ashkenaz this Wednesday, July 8th, 2 to 4 p.m. to get help with participating in these elections.